Hey guys, just before we get started, I wanted to kind of put a swear warning because I realize I do in fact swear a lot and I just kind of want to make sure if any kitties are listening that uh, you should probably stop now if unless you're a mature child. And also I'd like to say, uh, sorry mom, <laughs> let's get started with the episode. Hey guys, welcome back to the Long May Shireen podcast. I'm Aiden. I'm your host for this podcast. So, guys, it has been a good week. It has been a great week. It's actually been a tiring week, but it's also been a great week. Because guess who got the job she interviewed for? Me. I got it. I got it. I'm no longer unemployed. I'm actually making money. It's so nice. <sighs> yeah, as you guys remember... From uh, my last episode, I was uh, in waiting, waiting to hear if I got the job. And actually, on the day I recorded that, they called me, like, right after I finished recording. And I was going to, like, go back and re-edit telling you guys that I got it instead. <laughs> but I decided to leave it and save it for uh, right now to tell you guys. So, clap, clap, clap. Yay, me. I got a job. I'm so good at this. Um, it's been really great. I'm really enjoying, like, working in a museum. It's honestly been really rewarding, and I love it so much better than my fast food job. So much better. (laughs) I really love it, and I'm very happy. All right, let's get on to the topic at hand. Now, if you guys remember, if you're a long-time listener, and by long-time listener, I mean only a year, because you guys know I haven't been around very long. Uh, back when I did the Sacagawea episode, um, Thomas Jefferson is included a bit in that, because he was president at the time the Lewis and Clark expedition was going on. And I mentioned Sally Hemings in that episode. And I uh, promised to one day do an episode on her, and, well... Here we are, guys. It's finally happening right now at this very moment. You're about to get that Sally Hemings episode I promised you guys like a year ago. So let's get into it. Okay, so Sally Hemings was born sometime in 1773, eh, probably approximately around there, in what was uh, still British America, to an enslaved woman named Elizabeth Hemings and her mother's master, John Wales. Now, unfortunately, we don't have her birthday since no one wrote it down, which is dumb. And uh, to be honest, the details of her early life especially are pretty sketchy to begin with. So, you know, bear with me as I uh, try my best to tell you her story. And to start her story, we're going to go back in time from 1773 all the way back to Sally's grandmother and her mother. Now, Sally's grandmother was a slave named Parthenia. However, I have heard her called other things, like um, a name that's like vaguely African, which I imagine was probably her original name before it was changed when she was brought over from Africa. But anyway, let's just go with Parthenia. Now, Parthenia was captured on the west coast of Africa and brought to Virginia, where she slept with an English captain named John Hemmings, and that's where Sally's mommy came from. Uh, Now, uh, Betty Hemmings, as we're going to call her, um, was owned by Parthenia's uh, master, Francis Epps, but in 1746, when Francis's daughter was getting married, he included Betty and her mother as part of a wedding gift for his daughter, Martha. So it's from here where Sally's mother, Betty, found herself in the ownership of Sally's father, John Wales. Now, Betty grew up on the Wales uh, 
plantation where she trained as a domestic servant. And she even uh, had a relationship at one point with another slave, which actually produced Sally's five older siblings. Uh, But in the 1760s, John Wales, who had been widowed several times at this point, decided to start a relationship relationship uh, with Betty, which produced six kids, with Sally being the youngest of all of these six kids. Now, some people are kind of iffy on the idea of uh, John Wales actually being Sally Hemings biological father, but it seems like pretty plausible to me. I mean, after all, relationships like this were super common on plantations. It really wasn't uncommon for a master to sleep with some of his female slaves, which is, whoa. Uh, and, you know, John Wales was absolutely no exception. And uh, even though he was almost definitely Sally Hemings' father, he didn't really act like it, which isn't surprising because most masters didn't pay attention to any of their biracial children because even though it was common to have a relationship with slaves, it was also, like, super taboo. Like, people thought it was weird. Um, like, everyone knew shit like this was happening, but no one ever said anything about it. And um, also, since John Wales was, you know, getting rich off slavery, like a lot of people in Virginia at the time were, uh, he never freed any of his children. Um, But he definitely did favor Betty, Sally, and all her siblings over all the other slaves on the plantation. Uh, They got special assignments for a lot of um, Sally's life. Uh, He taught Uh, Sally's father taught Sally's two oldest brothers to uh, read and write, Uh, but Sally would never get any time with her father, unfortunately. She definitely didn't know him well, because he died the same year she was born. She was like a couple months old. Um, Now, in Sally's father's will, it was decided that Sally, her mother, and siblings were going to be inherited by John Wills' daughter, and Sally's half-sister, Martha, who just last year had married a very, very important revolutionary by the name of Thomas Jefferson. Woo! We all know who that is. So, little baby Sally and her mom and her siblings uh, packed up whatever belongings they had, which probably weren't a lot, because, you know, they were enslaved. And they were sent to Monticello, which is where Thomas and Martha lived. And uh, while she probably didn't know it yet, Monticello was going to take her life down a path that was very, very different from other slaves of her time. Now, you guys know normally on this show I like to discuss the education that a person I'm covering got. And, you know, some women I've covered have had some orthodox type Uh, sorry, unorthodox types of education in their lives, and Sally's no different. Now, while she obviously never went to a traditional school and got traditional schooling because, you know, a lot of slaves weren't ever taught to read and write so that they could be dependent on their masters. And that's basically how Sally grew up at Monticello as a slave. But her life is still pretty interesting compared to other slaves. The Hemings were definitely privileged in a lot of ways, mostly because a lot of them were pretty light-skinned. Um... Now, Sally would have gone to work as soon as she was old enough, which would have been when she was about six or seven, when she would have started work. And since she was the daughter of a domestic servant, which is what Betty did, uh, she was charged with caring for her master's children. And in this case, they would have technically been her nieces and nephews, which, you know, must have been fucking weird. I don't know if she knew that at all. And as she got older, she would have been taught more and more domestic tasks, like spinning, weaving, and even making cloth. But in my opinion, the best 
teacher she had in her life was her mother Betty. I I can't tell you how rare it was for a slave to actually be able to like grow up in a family union like it unit it was like exceptionally rare at the time because you know masters could sell off parts of families if they wanted to they had no obligation to keep families together so the fact that sally grew up in a pretty stable family union is just like really weird sally worked pretty much side by side with her mother and siblings and i imagine she helped her mother raise uh the produce that she sold to monticello like uh cabbages strawberries and even chickens like sally's mom had this like little garden uh, near their cabin where they lived, and they'd sell all the produce to Monticello. So, like, a lot of the stuff that the uh, Jeffersons were eating were was grown directly by Betty, which is pretty cool. Now, well, obviously, uh, slavery is a disgusting practice that, by the way, Thomas Jefferson, fucking huge motherfucking hypocrite. I hate this guy. Um, um, he was a huge hip- hypocrite, and Sally probably got the most idealized version of enslavement that racist people probably use her experience of slavery to justify things like, you know, like the Confederacy wanting to keep slavery. Now, I don't mean to make light of Sally's experience as a slave. I imagine it was still a shit experience because, you know, she was a slave. And... But having her mother and siblings beside her probably softened, like, a lot of the bad things that she went through on the plantation, and the fact that she got more privileged assignments probably definitely helped, but that doesn't mean she didn't struggle, because she absolutely did. I mean, she was a slave. Okay, so before we move on into more of her story, I want to discuss what Sally would have looked like, because this is, I think this is a really controversial topic about her, because there are no actual painted portraits of her. We only really have artist interpretations of what she may have looked like, but let's go off with what we're pretty sure we know about her to paint a picture of what our dear Sally may have looked like. Now, first of all, I think we need to take into account her ancestry. Uh, Her mother was already mixed. Her father was white, so she herself was already about three-quarters European. So it's pretty likely that she was light-skinned and probably more my complexion than, say, Zendaya's complexion. I think she's a good example of a mixed woman. Um... However, I I feel like Sally might have had, like, African features, like, maybe broad nose, some textured hair um, that would have, like, indicated that she was obviously, like, a little black, but obviously very mixed. It's hard to say considering, like, when you have mixed kids, you kind of, like, roll the dice on what they're going to look like. Like, she could have looked more black, more white, but I don't really... I didn't really see anything, like, indicating that she was, like, really white passing, so she must have been, like, pretty obviously uh, mixed, so let's just go with that. Now, one thing I do want to mention before we move on is that I did read in one article that Sally might have looked a lot like her half-sister Martha, which, if that's true, this is going to be a very disturbing fact (laughs) about her appearance when we get into the meat of this story. Okay, so fast forward to about 1782. Uh, Sally's half-sister Martha ends up dying after giving birth to her sixth child. It's making me tired just thinking about it. Um, A little girl named Lucy. And according to, like, spoken histories, which would be oral histories, uh, when Martha was dying, she gifted Sally a small bell because Sally would have uh, attended Martha's births that would have been, like, 
one of her jobs. Now, I have no idea how the Martha and Sally dynamic, like, went, like, what their relationship was as half-siblings. I imagine Martha paid about as much attention to Sally as uh, Sally's dad had paid attention to Sally. Um, however, I, I, th- I think it's still pretty sweet if if this story about Martha giving Sally a bell as she was dying is true. I think it's really sweet. Uh, I'm not sure what the significance of that bell was, if it did happen at all. I mean, maybe Martha was just, like, delirious and, like, she was dying and she was sad. So, like, it it makes sense that she'd be vulnerable with her half-sister who she's never paid attention to. Makes total sense. Um, after Martha died, Thomas Jefferson, he was, oh my god, he was gutted. Like, there's not a lot of things I like about Thomas Jefferson, but this guy, he really, really loved his wife. He adored her. Um, it's just very heartwarming. Now, according to other oral histories, he also promised Martha that he would never marry again, which is a promise he semi-kept to her. But remember, this is the man who owned slaves and wrote passages condemning slavery in the original draft of the Declaration of Independence. So, can't exactly trust him to keep his word. Um, Now, the following year, the American Revolution officially ended, and Thomas Jefferson obviously had a big hand in the revolution, so he was at the center of all the action. And the next year, he was made the American envoy to France, which he accepted because he was still super super depressed about his lovely, lovely wife dying. So he accepted the position and took his oldest daughter, Patsy, to live with him, as well as some of his personal slaves, one of those being Sally's older brother, James, who was actually trained in French cuisine, which I think is really cool. As for Jefferson's other kids, he sent his daughter Polly and his other daughter Lucy to their aunts to, like, stay for a little bit because they were a little too young to travel until disaster struck again. Um, Two-year-old Lucy died out of the blue, so Jefferson decided for his other daughter uh, Polly that she needed to come to Paris and live there right now because he just, like, couldn't be without her. Now, originally, uh, an older slave was supposed to uh, take Polly overseas, but that slave ended up uh, being pregnant and couldn't make the journey because that would have been dangerous. So Sally ended up being chosen instead, which, you know, it seems like a weird choice considering Sally was about 14 at the time. Uh, But to be fair, Sally had probably been around Polly her whole life, so it makes sense that Polly would have been trusted to Sally's care because... They, they basically had grown up together, and Sally had basically raised her. So it, it totally makes sense that she would have been chosen. Now, the two girls set sail and arrived in London first to meet up with future president John Adams and his wife, Abigail Adams, who was staying there. Now, when they got there, both of the Adams were actually pretty shocked that this uh, 14-year-old girl was the only guard- guardian of a fucking nine-year-old. <laughs> um, but still, in Sally's defense, uh, she'd managed to get Polly across the ocean safely. So, despite the fact that the Adams uh, thought that Sally wasn't equipped to take care of nine-year-old Polly, I think Sally knew what she was doing. She had it. She had it good. 
Now, after a short stay in London, Sally and Polly moved on to Paris, which must have been really exciting for Sally. I mean, Paris was a pretty awesome place to be just before the French Revolution. Like, it's Paris in the 18th century, guys. There was heaps of culture, good food, and as Polly's maid, Sally would get to have some pretty wild experiences that the average Virginia slave would just never get to have. Now, one of the first things that happened to her uh, when she got there, she had to be inoculated against smallpox, I'm sorry, considering it was, like, really rampant in Paris at the time. So her first few weeks in France would have been spent in quarantine, which I can relate to, um, uh, while she became resistant to the virus. Now, it's possible that while she was in Paris, she received some training in order to become a lady's maid to Polly and Patsy. Like, she might have taken uh, French classes so she could speak the language, as well as lessons on how to do uh, Polly and Patsy's hair for parties they might attend. Now, Paris so far was pretty great, but the best part of her being there was that, guess what? Slavery wasn't a thing in France. Oh! So, legally, she was free in France, which must have been a fucking breath of fresh air, and probably gave her a huge confidence boost. Like, how would you feel if you suddenly just weren't enslaved anymore? Um, she probably wouldn't have ever had this confidence boost, like, otherwise. And because she was free in France, she got paid for her work for the first time ever. She got paid $2 a month, which isn't a lot, but for someone who had never earned a living wage in her life, it must have felt like a fucking million dollars to her. Like, can you imagine never getting paid your whole life for all this stuff you do, and then suddenly out of the blue, you're getting paid? Must have felt so good. Now, Sally's brother James, who I mentioned earlier, who also came over with Jefferson to learn to be a chef, uh, he got paid $4 a month. Um, and... It's also pretty likely that he helped her learn French culture because he was immersing himself in it, so it makes sense that he'd share the knowledge um, and teach her how to interact with people she may meet, which it came in handy because in the two and a half years she spent in France, it's pretty likely that she attended balls with Jefferson's daughters, considering there are records that Jefferson bought her nice clothes, and it only makes sense that these were purchased so that she could look, you know, presentable to people while she waited on Polly and Patsy and, you know, did their hair and stuff and went places with them because they needed chaperones. Okay, so now it's time to get into the nitty-gritty of Sally's story because it's assumed believed, whatever word you want to use, that while she was in Paris with the Jeffersons, that Sally and Thomas Jefferson started a sexual relationship at some point, and she became pregnant. Now, Sally's relationship with Thomas Jefferson is very controversial, because for one, up until the late 90s, there wasn't a lot of proof that they were ever together until a DNA test of one of Sally's kids was done that pretty much proved Jefferson was the father of at least one of her children, so that proved there was some sort of relationship. Still, the most controversial part of their relationship is whether or not they were in love or Sally was just doing what she had to do to survive. Now, personally, I am in the camp of she did what she had to do to survive because even if their relationship was totally 100% consensual, the power dynamic of a person owning you, even in a country where you're legally free does not negate the fact that Jefferson still owned her whether they were in the United States or not. 
Legally, she couldn't really say no to any sexual advances he might have made to her. Uh, Not to mention the fact that she was only about 16 at the time. So, you know, there's another weird power dynamic in there. Uh, He was in his mid to late 40s at the time. So the power dynamic there is just way too unbalanced to consider this a consensual relationship. Um, On Jefferson's side of this, I think he did like her and definitely had strong feelings for her. And if she did, in fact, look a lot like her half-sister and Jefferson's late wife, um, it would make sense that he fell for her. I'd say love is too strong a word for this relationship because I don't think that's what it was. However, it does seem like he was definitely infatuated with her and he was infatuated with her for a very long time. Don't get me wrong, I still don't fucking like Jefferson. He is a colossal fucking hypocrite, hypocrite, which sucks. <laughs> but this next thing I'm going to talk about kind of makes you look at their relationship like a bit more interestingly. And you can kind of see how this wasn't, you know, your typical slave master relationship. So picture it. It's the late 1780s, and the French Revolution is just kicking off in France, and at first, it's not too much to worry about. But then, Jefferson's daughter, Patsy, threatens to convert to Catholicism, because, you know, she's really, like, into the revolution, and Jefferson was like, "Mm, no, you're fucking not. We're going home right now. (laughs) So, he packs up both of his girls, uh, and gets them from the convent school that they've been attending to get their education and he's ready to go back to Virginia but then Sally who's pregnant with his kid is like no I don't want to go home and be a slave again like you've given me a taste of freedom I don't want to leave and her brother James is also in the same camp with her he's like I don't want to leave I don't want to go home and be a slave like they'd gotten that taste of freedom they didn't want to give it up so Jefferson basically made a deal with both of them James was going to be granted his freedom under the condition that he stayed on for a few months at Monticello to teach a replacement cook all that he had learned in France, which was fine with James. Good deal for him. Now, as for Sally, Jefferson made a deal with her too, and it's pretty crazy promise to live up to. He said that any children they had together would be freed at the age of 21. And now I bet you're wondering, why would she take this deal at all if it, like, wasn't written down and it was all just his word? Like, he could have very, very easily broken this deal and lied to her and just kept her and her children enslaved. But clearly, Sally trusted him a lot and must have thought she had him wrapped around her little finger because... She agreed to his terms, and she sailed home with Jefferson back to Virginia, where she would once again be enslaved, and I think that just shows that their relationship was a lot different. Still wrong, but definitely different than your regular dynamic in this time period. Now, it's believed that a couple months after Sally got home to Monticello, she ended up giving birth to her baby. Uh, It unfortunately did die pretty soon afterwards. Uh, We don't even know its name, if she gave it a name at all, or if it was a boy or a girl. But it's okay, because she would eventually have more children, so, like, no need to really be sad about that. Now, when Jefferson got back to the new United States, uh, he was having a pretty fantastic political career. He became the first Secretary of State, so he tried to divide his time between the capital which was at the time in uh, Philadelphia, 
and Monticello. And it's during one of the first times he was back that Sally got pregnant again. And in 1795, when she was about 22, she gave birth to a daughter named Harriet, who would also die uh, when she was two years old. But it's okay. A few years later, in 1798, uh, when Jefferson had just become vice president, Sally had her first son, who she named Beverly. And don't worry, this one lives quite a long time, I promise. Now, I have to point out that a pattern emerges with all the children she had. And that pattern is that they were all conceived when Jefferson was home. In fact, almost immediately when he got home. So it's pretty likely that he was the father of all of them, unlike some people who say that he isn't. After Beverly, Sally had a daughter named Thenia, who uh, died young, and then a daughter named Harriet, after her other Harriet, who did get to grow up this time, and a son named Madison, who was one of the first people to write down his mother's story and is where and is also where I got a lot of my information from. So go Madison Hemmings. And finally, we have her youngest son, Esten, born in 1808, shortly after uh, Sally's mom, Betty, died. So that's about uh, six kids in 11 years, which is sounds exhausting. Now, I bet you're wondering, what was her life like with her children? Now, we get a lot of this perspective from her son, Madison, and Jefferson's, like house records. We know once she started having kids, her duties were a lot lighter than before. Uh, She continued her duties as a lady's maid. Uh, She also worked as a seamstress as well as looking after Jefferson's wardrobe. And she, of course, took care of her own children. And when they were old enough, her sons started practicing trades so that they'd be useful and they'd have skills, as well as being taught to read and write. Now, in contrast, her daughter Harriet was taught housekeeping, how to be a seamstress, and most interestingly, her boys were taught violin, which is a hobby that Jefferson had. So, at this point, if you're saying that Jefferson wasn't the father of these two fucking boys, you're, uh, you're delusional. Also, it's believed that uh, she was moved into a room near Jefferson's, which has actually recently been excavated and turned into a like a museum section in her honor, which is really cool. Uh, that's where they think she lived. Probably right. Archaeologists are pretty good at their job. So, <laughs> Basically, these years at Monticello were about as good as you could get as a slave. But Jefferson's secret family with Sally, was about to be splashed on every newspaper in the country because it's time for a scandal. Now, in the late 1790s, when Jefferson was still vice president, uh, he was spending most of his uh, time totally uh, hating on his boss, President John Adams. And because Jefferson was a petty bitch, (laughs) instead of attacking Adams directly, He hired a journalist to do it instead because back then criticism of political leaders was illegal, which I'm glad America's gotten rid of that because that sounds really authoritarian. (laughs) So this um, journalist ended up getting arrested because he was writing political attacks on Adams because Jefferson was paying him to do it. And the journalist expected this. He he didn't mind because he thought he was going to get well-treated after. Uh, He spent a year in jail. It was a really awful jail. And when he was finally released, he wanted to see Jefferson, who had just recently become president, to ask him to pay the $200 fine uh, that he got while he was in jail. Uh, 
uh, because the journalist couldn't afford it. And uh, the journalist also wanted him to make him postmaster, uh, which is a really high position in the government. And Jefferson basically was like, ha! no way. You're on your own. Have a good life. And oh, boy, the journalist did not fucking take that well. He really wanted to be postmaster general, guys. A year after he published an article with evidence he had gathered about Sally and Jefferson's relationship. And when that shit got published, it was the hottest gossip in the United States. Like, think Monica Lewinsky-level presidential scandal. But, you know, don't get me wrong. People weren't shocked he was keeping a slave as a concubine of sorts. Because, as I said, it happened all the fucking time. Lots of families were biracial in the time. People just didn't talk about it. Um... But that's not what people were shocked about. People were shocked that he treated Sally with, like, any measure of decency. He basically treated her like his unofficial wife of sorts, and people thought that was fucking weird that he was doing that, which I'm just prefacing doesn't make him a good person just because he was somewhat nice to Sally. I still want to punch him in the face. Anyway, um, the story, even though it was pretty hot gossip for a while, it didn't have any long-term effects on Jefferson. Um... However, it was brought up in political cartoons during his election campaign, but he still ended up winning in a landslide. And also, he never denied any of the allegations. He simply ignored them. Uh, his team definitely denied them, but he never personally denied them. So, And the whole thing went away for the most part. Now, as for how Sally felt about it, we don't really know, considering if she could write, which we're not even sure of. We have no written records from her. I imagine if she knew about it, she was probably really embarrassed. It's probably really embarrassing to have your whole sexual escapades splashed on newspapers all over the country. Like, it must have been really embarrassing. But eventually the scandal died down, and it was almost as if it never happened at all. Now, skipping forward again, um, by the early 1810s, life at Monticello was changing very, very rapidly. Jefferson was in his 60s, and his second term of president had, as president had recently ended, so he was back at home permanently. And at the same time, Jefferson's daughter Patsy had recently moved into Monticello with her 11 kids, so Monticello was definitely louder than it had ever been with 11 kids running around everywhere. Now, Jefferson really enjoyed his time, this time in his life as, like, a doting grandfather and this, like, patriarch of Monticello. He really enjoyed it. Uh, still, one person who didn't enjoy this time was Sally's son, Madison, who in his writings talked about how Jefferson was never affectionate with him or his siblings. And he wrote in his memoirs how that extremely bothered him that Jefferson never acted like a father towards him, which is really sad to hear that Madison didn't feel properly loved by the person who's, who's supposed to be his father. Um, in good news, Sally and her children achieved a huge victory. Uh, since Jefferson kept the promise he made to Sally almost 30 years ago at this point. Her two oldest children, Beverly and Harriet, were noted in Jefferson's farm book as runaways, which is strange because when Jefferson had runaways, he spent time and fucking effort to get slaves back. But with Beverly and Harriet, he didn't end up lifting a finger when they ran away. He let them go. 
He even gave Harriet fucking like $50 and arranged a stagecoach to take her north where slavery was more taboo and people didn't generally do it. Um, his writing them down as runaways was basically like an unofficial way of freeing them. Um, both of her older children, Beverly and Harriet, they ended up passing in a white society because they were very light-skinned. They really didn't look African at all, so it was very easy for them to just pretend that they were white, which they technically were. I mean, a lot of, like, 90% of their ancestry was white, so, like, there's nothing really wrong with them wanting to identify as white. Um, Four years later, in 1826, Jefferson also ended up dying. Um, in his will, uh, he only freed five slaves. Two of them were Sally's younger sons, Madison Esten. And in addition to freeing them, he also made sure they were legally allowed to stay in Virginia since the law was if you were freed and remained in a slave state, you could be recaptured and put back into slavery. And I suppose Jefferson didn't want that to happen to the boys. So, he made sure that they were allowed to stay if they wanted to. Now, while Jefferson did not free Sally in his will, which is fucking stupid, uh, he did ask for his daughter Patsy to free her after he died, which is kind of lazy. <laughs> um, uh, but Patsy did do this, kind of. Basically, she had Sally down as a runaway as well, uh, but he actually... Sorry, she actually let her go live with her sons, Madison and Esten, in a town nearby Monticello, where Sally lived out the rest of her days until she died nine years later at the age of about 62, roughly. Um, unfortunately, we have no idea where she's buried. It's really sad that we don't know that. I really wish we did. Um, after she died, her sons moved to Ohio, and despite both of them being fairly white passing, they instead embraced their African ancestry and lived as black men with Madison writing about his life and his mother's story, which was how the story like really got out there in the first place. Like I said, I got a lot of great information from Madison's writings. So again, thank you, Madison Hemmings. Uh, later on, Esten would move to Wisconsin to protect his family from slave catchers. Uh, despite marrying a free woman of color, him, him and his family identified as white and uh, changed their surname to Jefferson. Okay, so let's talk legacy. Now, Sally's perhaps one of the most interesting women of color I've ever done, because despite being enslaved, she really took her destiny into her own hands, and she basically traded her own freedom for her children's to set them up in life for success, because she knew that they needed a uh, boost up to get anywhere. Now, based on what I've read about her descendants, I think they were pretty eternally grateful for what she did. Um, on the other side of this, there are people who don't believe she was who we think she was, and that, and that's mainly the, the descendants of Jefferson's white children, who have tried to, like, cover up Sally's impact on Jefferson, Monticello, and the United States in general, and they've really tried to discredit her over the years, which is really sad and also very racist. Um, still, her story of bravery and perseverance uh, has let her story be shared the way it should be, which is out in the open. I, I think everyone should know about her. She is so freaking cool. All in all, Sally Hemings should be known today, not just as Jefferson's concubine or mistress, because that's not what she was. She was his property. Uh, but as an enslaved woman who, at the age of 16, negotiated with one of the most powerful men in the United States to improve her own life and achieve the freedom of her children.
And that, ladies and gentlemen, is motherfucking Sally Hemmings. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next time. Bye. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. If you have any suggestions for topics, you can just DM me on Twitter at LongMaceyRain2. The N at the end of rain is replaced with a 2 instead. I'm also available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Anchor, and like a whole bunch of other stuff. Uh, Don't forget to rate and review this podcast on all those platforms. It really actually does help the show so much and it will help me grow my audience. So I would absolutely appreciate it if you guys could do that. All right. uh, Bye.